Three, two, one. I'm Brian Reckon. I'm Gus Erickson. And I'm Hayden Nichols. And uh, welcome back, everybody. We are on uh, episode 11 of Resting the Starters, which is crazy to know that we've come so far. Uh, and we've still got a long way to go. We're working on uh, creating a guest list for you guys to bring on some more guests and uh, get some other perspectives. But until then, it's just us for tonight on uh, this Sunday uh, evening here. And uh, guys, I understand that Wilsonville Sports has a uh, COVID-19 update. So why don't you guys bring us that information and inform the people? So uh, in an unfortunate uh, turn of events, kind of as we're approaching the season here, we start our preseason practices, our COVID practices. So like mass, social distancing, cohorts of 10, a couple players in two different cohorts, I think due to HIPAA violations, we can't say the name, but... Two different uh, people got COVID in two different cohorts. So we've had to quarantine for two weeks. They found out that they had it pretty far after the practice happened. So our two-week quarantine is actually up this Wednesday. So we'll be able to go back. But it was like they were COVID positive uh, a week from last Tuesday, a week before last Tuesday. So we have to quarantine until this Tuesday and then we'll, and then we're done pretty much with the quarantine mm. but they didn't find out until that saturday the news broke so they they were at they were at practice with COVID on monday and they didn't find out that they were positive until saturday so there's a bit of a lag in between okay absolutely but they also so, were not at the next practices yeah and it, it, it sounds like it was just the two people because i got tested and i know a few other people who tested negative so i do believe it was just confined to the two Okay, that's really good to know, actually. And uh, that actually brings up a question for me. Like, with you guys being on the football team and being um, athletes who are trying to get prepared for a season that's coming around the corner, frankly, um, how do you guys think about kind of taking a step backwards for a couple weeks? And how um, does your training regiment line up with the start of the season now? Did it change anything? Or kind of what's your uh, opinion? Well, now we'll just have probably three practices this week and then right into the season is supposed to start next Monday. I still don't know what the deal with the OSAA is though, because I heard that there was a meeting to decide there was a meeting on February 8th to decide if they're going to lift the restrictions on football, but that's when we're supposed to start practice on like, right. So I don't know how that's going to work. My biggest question about it right now is it's just like, if one kid getting COVID like in these little cohorts is going to shut us down for two weeks, I just really don't see how it's going to happen. Yeah, that's true. And also, we there would be no cohorts at all come the season. Yeah, it's just really worrisome. Yeah, so it, it doesn't it, – it definitely, you know, I hate to say obviously being a football player, but that COVID case kind of came at the worst time for like swaying people to yeah. play because you talk about a six-week season, six games – well, if someone gets COVID, that's immediately two games done, you know? Yeah. So, mm. Mm. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a third of the season, mm-hmm. right? And we talk about we talk about starting a season fast and we talk about ending one fast. And if that hits the wrong uh, position group that is already, you know, shorthanded maybe, or if that hits the wrong people at the wrong time that are, um, you know, two-way starters or things yeah. of this nature, like – that can really riddle a team who's um, scheduled to uh, play some good ball. For yeah, six and part weeks. of it is and like can... is like 
So what? So we're supposed to practice these past three weeks and then this week too. Mass all around practice, six feet distancing, cohorts, no pads. And then all of a sudden, mm. two days later, it's like, okay, well, now you're fine. You know, like after that preseason week ends and then that actual season starts, like, are we just supposed to pop in and just start having full contact? Because, you know, I haven't been next, you know, I haven't been near someone without a mask on since March. When you look at it from like a sanctioned event perspective, you know? Like, obviously, if I'm mm. seeing, like, family or friends, sometimes I'll have a mask on. But, like, that will be interesting if the football season does happen. That, that'll be the first time I've been near people without a mask on that's actually sanctioned by public officials or whatever. Right. No, I definitely see what you're saying. And uh, it's just – what was that, H? Go ahead, Brian. No, you got it. Okay. Um. So, and, like, with the whole, like, shortening the season thing, too, even if – a COVID case didn't take away, like if they didn't make the whole team have to quarantine for two weeks or not play for two weeks. If a COVID case hit one of the cohorts and that cohort just happens to be our starting group of receivers, like boom, we're out our starting receivers for two weeks. That's true. But it's also like if we're actually going to have a meaningful practice, you can't really do cohorts for that necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Which is true as well, but that just speaks to how logistically this thing is a nightmare, right? Yeah, so we'll see. Um, I mean, I know I know. Yeah, we other will. states have done it, so it's not impossible. Right, that's definitely true. And in fact, I think it's all but five have not um, began football so far. And those five, Washington, Oregon, California, and I think it's something like Nevada. Yeah, as well. I know that uh, Connecticut. They're done. They said no delayed season either. And right, yeah. and yeah, and cancellations too, definitely. Yeah. Um, and it's just that being said, when you have a ratio of <laughs> picket forty-four or forty-five out of fifty that are doing things the correct way and um, are seemingly getting their things off the ground and and up and running. Uh, I question why we are still at this point of kind of uh, wallowing in the questions as opposed to not putting things in action. But, you know, it's just interesting. I hope that it works out. But uh, what do you guys think about – do you guys think that this season could be so adversely affected that they might have to say cancel? or would it? Well, to be honest, how it looks right now is – it's hard to put obviously a probability on, but it looks about 50 50 because as of right now, football is a restricted sport by state um, guidelines. Like, as of right now, legally, football can't happen. So they would have to change the decision on the 8th, I think, is when the meeting is supposed to be. So mm. it's like, will they change it or will they not? Because it's not like they're changing it from allowed to not allowed. They have to change it from not allowed to allowed, if that makes sense. You know, like that's that's harder to do from a logistic standpoint. Mm, absolutely. I do see what you're saying. And uh, I feel like, you know, I, I'm not trying to, you know, be a, a, a negative person on this subject, but that doesn't sound yeah, no. good. It, um, because... and, and the thing is, is that and I probably speak for Hayden too, I really didn't know all this surrounding because we, well, it makes sense, but we, we were fed pretty much confidence towards the season. Like, hey, we're going to start preseason practice. Now we're going to get ready to go. 
And then when you really get at what is happening, it's like, oh, well, football is a full contact sport and full contact sports are not allowed right now. Yeah, man. It's it's just a horrible yeah, thing. Definitely. Let's uh let's move on to something that's actually been really effective and that's uh not true for the entirety of the season, but it's sort of peaking at the right time and uh, that's the NFL. So, we missed uh the recap of the conference championship games just last week. So, we had the Buccaneers and Packers and uh, we also had the uh Bills and Chiefs. So let's let's talk about those two games and kind of dive into it. What was uh, your first impression? Well, here's one thing I do want to say on the topic of the Buccaneers is that being a LeBron hater, it's reasonable to think that I would be a Tom Brady hater too. I think those two people go hand in hand. But uh, ever since Brady's moved to the Bucks, liking him more and more every day, I'm definitely Bucks in the Super Bowl. We'll see what happens. I think that um. The Bills were disappointing, for sure, to say the least. I mean, they got killed. They really did get killed. So, that that was rough to see. What do you think, Brian and Peyton? Now, H, you got it. My bad. All right, all good. Um, Guess I agree 100% on the Brady, liking Brady more. I hated Brady for years. He was my least favorite player ever. But, like, since he's gone to Tampa Bay, I started liking him more and more. And I just – I can't believe that the Bills, the team I was so confident in, played as terribly as they did last week. I mean, Josh Allen sucked. He was terrible. Yeah. Dropping back 30 yards to throw the ball just to get sacked. Yeah, that was – that. it was embarrassing. Watch. And it so really I'm, was. I'm just hopeful as a Chargers fan that the Buccaneers will go out there and beat the beat my ASC West rivals for me. Josh <laughs> Mahomes and his brother. And we had – I think we had talked about this before the games on Thursday, a couple of Thursdays ago, but – I don't think any of us really had faith in the Packers. I think that was like, it, it's a common occurrence for the Packers. And as much as you want to hype up Aaron Rodgers, it, it's a lot to overcome Tom Brady, Gronk, um, just those guys. So, I, I mean, I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I I would say we can do our predictions. I'm cheering for the Bucks, but I I predict that the Chiefs will win. Uh, so I'm going to say a couple of things. Uh, number one, I was severely disappointed by Buffalo as well um, to lose by, what was it? I think it was 17, 38, 21. And they had scored garbage time to make correct. it look closer too. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. And uh, I just, I look at that and I listen um, to uh, the pundits and even what we were saying. And it, it looked like this is a team that could go all the way. Um, this year, it seemed like a destiny thing. Um, but, hey, it's Kansas City. Yeah. And uh, I think that just proved and served as validation for everything that Kansas City has done and that it is far from a fluke, right? And so um, they have a balanced attack. It's one of the more balanced you'll see around. Um, and the same can be said about the Buccaneers as well. Um, and I, I think it's going to be largely interesting the Packers uh, disappointed me as well. Uh, I thought that the Packers had a better chance uh, because of how they're playing in Lambeau and they were a really good team as well. But you can't surrender that big of a deficit to Brady. When it, look, when it's 21-10 at halftime, you know that game's over because the a, a Tampa Bay um, defense – 
being uh, mentally led and steered in the championship direction by Tom Brady will not give that that lead up. The amount and, of uh, picks he threw though was an, very annoying to watch because yeah, they had so it. he threw three. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's like their defense was playing good enough that you knew they had it, but it got to a point where I was like, dude, can you stop targeting Mike Evans? If I'm not mistaken, all three interceptions were on Mike Evans' targets. I believe one that to be true Godwin. as well. One of yeah, so two Godwin to Evans and one to Godwin. But okay. the Godwin okay, one, I'm sure. pretty sure it hit off Godwin's hands and then went up. That might have been Mike yeah, Evans too. But so they weren't really Tom Brady's no, fault Godwin. necessarily. But I was like, dude, stop targeting Mike Evans because he dropped one too, like down the sideline. I remember seeing that, and I was like, just go. You have other weapons. Just relax on Mike Evans, especially when you're up 21-10. You got to be like getting like chewing the clock and scoring. You don't need to be going for deep shots. But they still won, so. And then yeah. for the Packers to score six points off of three turnovers was a really indicative sign of how that game yeah. is going. Um, you cannot turn the ball over out of Tom Brady's hands three times and account for less than a touchdown worth of points. It just it can't yeah, happen. That, that just and shows how well the did, Buccaneers defense was playing. Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, you have a guy in Aaron Rodgers who, I mean, time and time again has uh, not necessarily gotten to the big game, I'll say, but has showed up when it's mattered. And uh, for him to not be able to lead them on the drives and manufacture the offense they needed to um, after giving themselves the chance is, I was just like, wow, really? Yeah. um, People, uh, People seem to talk down on Rodgers quite a bit, but if you look at the game, there's one man who really did lose the game for the Packers, and that's Kevin King. The worst the worst performance by an NFL defensive back I've ever seen. Who is he getting burned by? Everyone. The entire game. He's the dude that gave up the touchdown to Scotty Miller at the end of the first half, and he had the right. T.I. Oh, the the oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the the two that's a really good point, H. What I would argue are the two most influential uh, plays of that football game are given up by a younger and uh, I'll just say less informed on sort of how to be a pro and some of these nuanced moves uh, on the defensive side in Kevin King. Yeah, and uh, I feel like one thing we gave the Packers maybe too much credit for was the youthful secondary. And it's really the youthful secondary, like you said, that ended up. Yeah, that PI, that PI. I mean, the flop from that PI was insane, but it got it done. I mean, I think it would have been a PI either way, but that was funny to watch him just like dive. (laughs) Yeah, PIs are called tightly, as we know. Uh, And I think you can't uh, grab a guy's shirt. Like that was a stupid, like situationally. If you're getting beat like that, you gotta hope that either the receiver doesn't get seen or it's a bad ball because grabbing his shirt and pulling him backwards is immediate 15 yards. Why not take the chance to right. try to catch up with them or make a play? Like, especially when it's in the middle of the field, the ref is right there. Why are you grabbing his shirt? I, I didn't get that at all. The problem with that though, guess is that the rest of that game, they let that go every single play. Oh, they were letting let him play. There, there were not a lot of penalties. By, what's the, uh, I can't remember the dude's name. One of the corners for Tampa Bay, like Roby Coleman or something like that. 
he had an interception where he pulled the receiver all the way back, like a whole yard before he jumped mm. in front and picked Part it of it, too, is uh, just being a ref. Brian, you've umpired before, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, sometimes yeah. you when you make a call, you can't take it back. And I think that's what happened there. He, like, saw the shirt, threw the flag, and then he's like, we haven't called that all game, but you can't really take that off after it was a P.I. So I do feel for the ref in that situation. It's one of those things that's, like, instinctive, and you don't look at the whole context of what happened during the game when you're making that call. Because the ref was standing right there. So you see that, and it's hard to, like, think of all that context and everything that happened leading up to that moment because you got to do your job and throw the flag. So the flag made sense to me. But then when you look at it at a holistic level, it's like they were letting stuff go all game. And then in the like game winning play, they throw a flag. That's, you know, I'm really glad you brought this up because, we, and we've talked about it before. That is a straight up, not nuanced at all argument for having a review yeah. on every play. And uh, that's something that can be changed and manicured very quickly with the addition of a, a voice in the booth who can provide that insight on every single play. But we're not there yet. And uh, because we're not there, we're going to continue to have um, these things come up, these issues come up with how games are called. Um, and that's just the nature the of thing what that, the, the thing and, with uh, the reviewable penalties, though, is I think the biggest issue they run into is how much longer that makes a game because games are approaching, right. I mean, way too long. Like if you sit mm. down, if you sit down Almost on a Sunday hours, for a one right? o'clock game, it's possible you get out of your couch at five and it's like, come on at a certain point. Here's, so, here's the thing though, Gus, the quality of a game and like the actual, like, okay, like the better team is going to win this game. is going to be so much better if they just make every single penalty reviewable especially when the majority of people, except for, like, weirdos like you, Gus, where you're just sitting down and watching one game for four hours, most people are watching. Yeah, that is true. Most people are sitting on their couch watching every single game, so there's really no breaks in action with reviewable calls. Yeah, I mean, that that is a good point. But what about those fans who are going to want to leave after three quarters when a full-capacity stadium is had as soon as next year, too, right? I mean – it's like that. I mean, you have things to do, places to be. And I guess, like, the flip side of that is if you're in the stadium, that's what you dedicate your day to. So, yeah, I mean, there's that as that's well. That's the thing, too. It's like if, like, you go to the game, like, you've already paid for your ticket. So, I don't think that the NFL is too worried about people leaving a game early because they're going to do it no matter what. Yeah, that's definitely mm. true. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I feel like uh, we've covered the NFL a significant amount today. So, why don't we uh, lastly drop our predictions for the Super Bowl and then jump right into the NBA? Well, really quickly about the Super Bowl that I find a question I want to ask you guys. Since Brady's going for number seven and Patrick Mahomes comes into his second Super Bowl looking for his second ring, if Mahomes wins this game, I think that he's legitimately moving his way up to be a top five quarterback ever. 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 He's already the most talented quarterback ever. I mean, part of it, there's a lot of rookies that come out looking that way. I think there's a lot more career to decide that. But we'll see. Yeah, it's apples to oranges. I don't think after uh, – has, has Mahomes three, three years? years? I thought so, yeah. Uh, after three years, 
it's not fair to say that yet, but but uh, you make a very strong case at that point. If you're two of two in Super Bowls, I mean, I mean and with what fourteen thousand yards, one hundred fifteen touchdowns in the regular season, right? And three, right? I mean, it, it's it, they're absurd things. I mean, it, it's like it's unlike anything we've ever seen before. Uh, that being said, I think a lot of factors influence and improve the conditions for being a quarterback in this day and age. Um, so, so it's oh, yeah. easier to jump to that conclusion because of the flashiness and and the high volume offensive production. Yeah, and uh, just that it's the era of quarterbacks right now. Right, when a while ago it was all running backs. Mm, absolutely, and you know, blocking tight ends actually had value, right? Yeah. Uh, Never again. Mm, yeah, never again. But uh, it will be an interesting case. But what do you guys think in terms of the game and how it's going to happen? Well, I think it's cool. It's going to be a home game for the Bucks, First time since 1963 or something. So that'll add a little bit of edge, definitely for them. Chiefs by 10. Chiefs by 10. And uh, how many points do you figure the Chiefs have to score to beat a Brady-led Buccaneers? It's, I don't think it's about how many points they need to score. It's their defense needs to get one stop because I feel like Tampa Bay's defense will just not be able to stop Kansas City. Hmm. Okay. I feel like it's going to be a shootout, though. It's not going to be like that Patriots-Rams Super Bowl. 13-3, mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, nothing no, like that. I don't think so either. I think uh, we're looking at mid-30s for both teams, if I had to guess, and I would say – yeah. <laughs> give me give me 38-33 Tampa Bay. I like that. That's what I would say. I, I, I'm going to go with 27-24 Chiefs. That's my question. Okay. And I, I'm going to say 38-28 Kansas City. Okay. Very good. Very good. So – we got two for one. You guys are going up against me in uh, this February 7th and, show. And now. I'm definitely 100% cheering for Tampa Bay. I just mm. – Oh, me too, 100%. For sure, for sure. Well, I guess that makes three of us then. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be yeah. interesting for sure. And uh, let's dive into the NBA, y'all. So we have a few things to talk about specifically. Oh, Brian, we missed one thing. What did we about. miss? Stafford Goff. One thing we missed was uh, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford and uh, the uh, sort of exchange that we saw at the quarterback position between the Detroit Lions and L.A. Rams. And I'm curious, what do you guys think about that? I yeah, thought I think... that um, it it was a steal for, for Jared Goff. I mean, so they gave him, what, like two first-round draft picks? And Goff for Stafford. Yeah. So that's a lot, and I think that L.A. and Goff, for whatever reason, just weren't weren't doing it. And Matthew Stafford's getting kind of old, so it was a puzzler there how much they added on top. Like I almost wouldn't have been shocked by a one to one trade, but I think Matthew Stafford finally has a place where he can like take a team to the playoffs because the Lions have been just not not yeah terrible. And Matthew Stafford's good. I mean, he's like a vet. Yeah, um, the only thing, and then Hayden, I want you to chime in here. I know you were trying to say something, but 
Matt Stafford is only 32. And if you look at it from that perspective, we have three guys in the league who are um, at that 40 realm. And so for me, I don't think that's too much of a concern yet. Like at most, or uh, excuse me, at least, there are five or so years of great play left ahead of him. So I feel like it was solid and maybe even worth it to give up that capital. But what were you going to say, H? Yeah, so for me, uh, I think that, first of all, the Rams last year, if they had Stafford last year against Green Bay, or not last year, this year, my bad, this year against Green Bay, it's a completely different game because the whole rotating quarterbacks thing, that's not in question anymore. And now you got a guy like Stafford who's a season vet and who 100% can get the job done. On the other hand, though, I don't understand why the Lions wanted Jared Goff. I mean, the dude hasn't really done much since he took the Rams to the Super Bowl, but that was more girly in the defense. So I'm not really sure what it was there. And then again, the Lions, like, they let Stafford get out of Detroit, but I don't know why they couldn't do that for Calvin Johnson or Barry Sanders, who retired early because of how terrible the management was there. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, too. And uh, as we come back to how Goff has not really had many effective years, he had one that was what I would consider to be above average. And then the other three years or so, or four, am I right on that? Four years? So like, I think he's going into his fifth. Okay. So the other couple years, three or four, whatever it may be, uh, are just uh, not good. Flatly below average and um, haven't been like, yeah, the Rams have made the playoffs. Of course, it's not on his merit though. Um, and I don't know why Detroit would necessarily want him at this juncture either. So that was interesting to me. Uh, Is there any other point you guys want to hit with that one right there? Uh, My theory would be that they're kind of, they're not getting anything going with Matthew Stafford. They're going to use one of the first rounds to get a quarterback. One of them. Well, so do you know, do you guys know off the top of your head what year the first rounds are? I didn't see that. Um, I, can I, uh, I do not know, actually. And, H, while you're doing that, while you're doing that, let me ask you something, Gus. Do you think Detroit could flip golf for even more capital to rebuild? Yeah, so here's what I think. I think they're going to – because I would assume that one of the picks is going to be after next season. So yeah. I'm thinking they're going to use golf for one season, see how he fits. They either get a QB with that first-round pick or – they keep golf if he's good, but I that's just that's just my theory, and I, that theory would be debunked if one of the picks isn't for a year from now. Uh, but twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Play the twenty twenty one season with golf. Rams. The Rams. Well, uh, Jared Goff was the last time they used a first round pick. They've traded away their next seven. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They should rethink that uh, strategy because it's a terrible strategy. That's yeah. horrible management. That leaves no future. Period. Yeah, um, that's just weird. Unless you become uh, well disenfranchised by Stafford and then flip him for calf as well. I mean, 
but but though I won't make that argument because one I don't think that would happen. Two I don't think that's necessarily feasible right now. Uh, so that just leaves a bleak future for the Rams. But it would make it would make sense if they were building to win a Super Bowl right now. But I don't know if Stafford puts them at a Super Bowl caliber team. Yeah, I don't know. It, it might, but it also might not. So. That's a tremendous gamble, I would say. Um, but, Gus, did you have anything else on uh, this you wanted to hit? Uh, no, I, I think that's about it. All right, but uh, big n- – oh, shoot, guys. Uh, do you want to hit the Texans situation and sort of debunk oh, yeah. that? Or- Deshaun Watson. I mean, the dude's got to get traded somewhere. I'm hoping it's Washington. But uh, they're going to have to give up a lot. The Texans are asking for – two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two defensive starters. So I'm not even sure that's going to get done. Yeah, that's a hole and a half. Something just came to mind. What if Detroit flips golf to the Texans and then they do a three-way trade with uh, someone else who gives Detroit um, cap in the draft or uh, uh, room in the upcoming draft? To go out and get a quarterback and some more supplements. My head just What exploded. do you guys think? I would say, so, Brian, like, if that type of situation arose, you could do, like, say a deal where Washington sends two defensive guys to Houston and Detroit sends Goff, Washington sends the draft picks, Deshaun Watson goes to Washington, and Detroit gets first-round picks back. Wow. See, for me, I think we're GMs at this point. Holy crap. Yeah, we just 100%. figured this situation out. We did it. <laughs> we have entirely turned the um, fortune of the Texans for the next 10 years. No, I'm kidding. But Chargers, that was kind of interesting. Tom Colasco, fire Tom huh. Colasco, come, come get me. I'll bring us to Super Bowl in three years. Wow. That was huge. <laughs> so, Let's actually get into the Texans here. Um, this is a team who's gone downhill and traded away Hopkins and uh, misused J.J. Uh, Watt and Andre Johnson, if we're that. going back a few years, who also – yeah, you're right. Watt also Watt was supposed to trade too. Oh, did he? Yeah. I would want out of that. Is team, that... Man. you got to live in Houston, and the team is not good. That's a, that's a lose-lose. <laughs> it's a terrible situation. Man. But, uh, wow, that's interesting. And Bill O'Brien is gone. So, um, who who did they just hire? Do you guys know? Who did they hire? Um, yeah. Hold on. I'll tell you. Wasn't it, like, wasn't it like Colin or something? It was Colin's? a terrible hire. I just remember uh, Deshaun Watson was not happy because he had no input. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Bill O'Brien Lee, or, uh, excuse me, Coley, David Coley. Holy, okay. Yeah. I don't even know yeah, who yeah, that yeah. is. No, and neither do I. And I think, this, yeah, for sure. And then I would like you to tell us, but this is an age where uh, the young coach is um, one that is sought after. And I don't know if that was Baltimore the greatest assistant. move. Baltimore Ravens assistant head coach. I don't know about he, that. Okay. And I don't know about that. How. So, Gus, what what's your opinion? Well, I, I don't know. I think you need to uh, see what I would do as an NFL program. And I think that um, – why am I blanking? Who just picked up Urban Meyer? 
Oh, Jackson. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of more teams should take that strategy and try to get better college coaches. It could be that I just don't know when college coaches don't work out. But when you're already dumpster fire program, scooping up an NFL assistant doesn't seem like the way to go. But I'm not sure. I mean, maybe they see something in him that we don't. I would say mm-hmm. that the biggest problem with that hire is that the Bills offensive coordinator, Brian DeBull, was still sitting there. The dude that just turned Josh Allen from a dude that looked like a bust into an MVP candidate in a year. He was still available as a head coach option, and they passed up on him. Right. Or, or even Eric Bieniemy at Kansas yeah, City, who has, tra- who has transformed them into what we know to be true about them now. And yeah. even earned endorsement from Mahomes himself and Eric – or, excuse me, Andy Reid. And no, it, I don't understand how um, these two guys who have put together um, just – a couple great seasons each in a row um, in terms of getting that process going and sort of rebuilding their own systems uh, have been passed on. That doesn't make and sense. I, I wanted the Chargers to hire DeBull for a long time. And I'm not ha- I'm not sad that they hired Staley from the Rams, but DeBull still being there and they pass up on him is kind of ridiculous to me. Yeah. Especially yeah. if they wanted to keep Watson around. Mm, I think so too. Absolutely. But uh, – I think we've kind of hit the NFL today. Uh, let's go over to the NBA. So, I know the Blazers keep winning a few games. What do you guys see there? Well, uh, last night's win was quite ridiculous. Damian Lillard, six seconds left, did it all himself, back-to-back mm-hmm. threes to win the game. Weren't they up by 19 at one point? The Blazers? Yeah. Probably. It's a, it's a it's a it's a bad it's a bad blazer cycle of needing Dame to bail you out every night. Yeah. Right, down by five, six seconds left. He hits a deep three. They get the jump ball somehow. He grabs it, hits a fadeaway three. It's just like you can't win like that every night. Yeah, and just right. without McCollum and Nurkic, it, it it is terrible. Like that's just what happens. But it's a constant theme we see that we need Damian to win every game, and then once you get to the playoffs, it's just not sustainable. Yeah. Right. And that just speaks to the point of how the West has been turned into the ultra of ultra conferences and you can't win, period, when you have a, a one pronged approach. And that's what the, Portland has right now. The craziest the crazy thing about like the West too is like Lillard is good enough to get the Blazers so far, but then you hit that spot where honestly, in my opinion, if Nurkic had been healthy last year their championship caliber team if he'd been healthy the whole year. They would have been a higher seed. They wouldn't have had the Lakers in the first round. Completely different approach to that. But when you have it when Nurkic is going to be out for God knows who, how long with his wrist, you got McCollum out, and you need Lillard to win games like this in the regular season, he's going to be exhausted come April. Very true. Very true. And, uh, like – you know, there's a lot of things we could say about what um, transpired last year. Um, and, uh, of course, we know what happened. And uh, I'm not sure that many of us here on this call are happy about it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but no. uh, we can also talk about the Nets and how the Nets are 13-8. and eight. They've won three in a row. And they're oh, looking no. pretty they good. tonight, though. Oh really? Really? Okay, so to, oh, you didn't see that tonight, Brian? No, thirteen they and nine. To, I, I didn't check in. So Washington, they had a six seconds left. Beal hit a three. They got a steal, and then Westbrook hit a three to win it. 
Wow. Westbrook hit a three? Did you just exactly. say that? Exactly. Yeah, he had 41 tonight. Wow. What? Answer me this. What was his percentage from three? Uh, hold on. Speaking on the Wizards, though, Bradley Beal needs to get out of there. I think so, too. Yeah, I think uh, they have a young core, but obviously, like, it's going to take more than what they have done to rebuild. And uh, I don't think, like you said, Beal doesn't want to be around for that. Because, I mean, look, he's a – Tonight? Four for seven. Oh, wow. Okay, that's better than I anticipated, actually. Uh, But – Correct me if I'm wrong. Beal's a relatively, like, uh, routine 30-point-per-night score. I mean, it's... He's averaging 35 points a game. Right. Which, I mean, that's absurd. That might yeah. be... Is that highest in the league right now? Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. And, uh, wow. That is really something. I think... Uh, I wonder who, though, would be a good situation for him to fall into. I would love to see him in uh, Denver with Jokic. Mm, and Murray. Yeah, I think him, Jokic, and Murray together would be very, very good. That would be. And and that would be, I think, uh, in today's world, like we were saying earlier about not having a one-pronged approach, when you have three guys who are all very capable, then that you're going to be – Right, right. And uh, you have Murray, and then you have the supporting cast of Gary Harris and Porter Jr. Well, they'd, and, probably have, um, they'd probably have to give up MP- MPJ. Yeah, I think that's fair to say as well. Uh, but you need – one thing is for sure, though. In today's world, you need three guys or so, uh, give or take yeah. certain situations, to be an immediate contender. I mean, look at what Houston or Houston just got for Harden. I mean – the Nets sold their souls to get him, and it looks like it's working out as long as they get rid of Kyrie. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true as well. Uh, and also, Houston lets go of Harden. And, well, not really lets go, I guess, but uh, and they're winning. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're playing pretty good too. Maybe yes, yeah, really interesting. Harden was the issue there. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, when you're taking 35 shots a night, it's kind of hard to see how the other how your other teammates are going yeah. to look. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and uh, the Lakers are doing their thing. I know they lost the other night um, to the Sixers. Um, but they're continuing to, you know, put some wins together, string some wins together, I guess. And uh, then uh, we got some teams in the East. Who do you guys like in the East right now? Uh, I not for championship aspirations or anything, but I love watching Charlotte just because Lamelo Ball's looked incredible so far to start the year. I think I think I like uh Charlotte too definitely because I think that Lamelo was kind of always that guy that a lot of people thought he was overrated. Mm. And yeah. Well, the only thing I'm gonna say about this, and we saw it with Markel Fultz, and he's started to figure it out, I suppose. Um kind of, and the same way with Alonzo-type figure is LaMelo can't shoot yet. He's still at, what, like 30% or so, give or take? Which is around what Luke is at, though, so I mean. Doncic? 
Yeah. Really? Yeah. Luca Carroll huh. from three. Oh, well, hold on. I meant I meant the entirety of your field goal percentage. Oh, uh, okay. I thought you meant three point percentage. I want to not, that. not just three. But yeah, can you check into that for me? Yeah, let me look. Lamelo Ball. Oh well, I just accidentally pulled up his recruiting page from six years ago. But okay, <laughs> give me a second. Ghost, who do you see? Lame- what was that Lamello age? Shooting forty-three percent from the field on the season so far. Wow. Okay. Once again, better than uh, I anticipated. So. I'm going to curb from three, though. So I think See, okay. Percentage. Yeah, there it is. Um, yeah, that that's what I expected right there. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, he's obviously got elite court vision, and I think I think he'll find his way from the floor. Um, in terms of hoisting shots up there, but you never know, right? So it's but, uh, it's too early to tell. Brian, uh, so Lamelo shooting forty three percent from the field, twenty nine point nine percent from three. Luca shoots forty six percent from the field, twenty nine point four from three. Wow. Okay, that actually kind of is like boggling my mind right now. <laughs> yep. That's really interesting. And uh, wow, Gus, do you have any thoughts on that? Say that again. Do you have any thoughts on uh, the? Shooting percentages as we look at Luka Doncic and Lamella. I mean, I think that Lamella is going to be a star going in the league. I'm glad to see, you know, he has the LeVar upbringing. Obviously, I think that stunted his growth a little bit. He can never be that low-key star, you know. But I think he's going to do big things. Mm. And the Hornets somewhat had to take a chance on him because the whole LeVar-Michael Jordan thing, I mean, as much as it's a joke, it's also got to be a little annoying. Yeah. I would think so, too. And I think uh, in large part, that's uh, maybe why college was avoided. And I don't want to insinuate too many things, of course, but um, I think a lot of that could be um, either college programs saying we don't want to deal with this (laughs) or uh, what? For the second time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or LeVar saying – well, we want you to go straight to the league because we don't want colleges to mitigate what I say or what yeah. you do. Because then, because um, with... well, but part of it is there was somewhat of a business decision because Lamelo would be severely restricted with his marketing and stuff if he was in the NCAA. So I think Lavar that is true that as well. That's you know he restricted. He couldn't do anything. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, knock LeVar and the Ball family all you want, but to enact a plan such as putting all of your kids into the league and then doing it and doing it in the brash and brazen way that they are is really unique and actually has been cool to watch. <laughs> uh, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, I agree. So let's see here. We got the NFL. We got the NBA. And uh, do we want to hear anything else tonight? No, I think we're good to go. I got okay. That sounds awesome. Well, listen, we are going to be back as soon as next week um, with the recap of the Super Bowl. 
And we will get a few things in on the Wilsonville perspective for you as well next week. Um, we know these um, weeks that are ahead of us are tremendously important for how sports will look going forward. And uh, that's about all I have. If you guys are uh, have any closing thoughts, I think uh, now would be a good time to share. Well, we'll be back with a couple of special guests here very soon. So look forward to that. Yeah, we're not going to let you guys know who those are yet, but H is right. And uh, Gus, what do you think about what we're headed in? Uh, I'm just excited this week and give you guys a Super Bowl recap, hopefully on Sunday. Uh, I'm just excited, you know. Hopefully with the Buccaneers. Yeah, last, last football game of the year. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Sounds serendipitous. It leaves a good taste in my mouth. And uh, thank you guys for uh, tuning in. And uh, hope you enjoy. And uh, we also hope that you made it this far. And that we can continue to um, improve upon our listener numbers. Um, not saying that they've been anywhere they shouldn't be, but I mean, you guys can kind of infer what I'm getting at there. So, with that, we'll be posting the links, we'll be hyping it up, and uh, we hope that you guys can uh, tune in and enjoy what we have to do on this passion project. So, have a good night, everyone. And uh, this is BREC. And uh, the rest of the guys, if you want to say anything else, we're signing off for the night. Peace out. Peace.